following program is in English. You're tuned in to L'Chaim, to life, with your host, Morris Klein, who just happens to be my baby brother. Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem, it's L'Chaim time, to life, Jewish life and more. And more it is with another full program ahead of us, albeit with our regular radio tour guide, Effie Yacobi, MIA, as he is out in the field being an ambassador for Israel with his great guiding. If you'll be back with us next week. I mentioned in the introduction last week that the UN, United Nothing, hosted a Kumbaya Solidarity event in the General Assembly for the Palestinians on the 29th of November, the symbolic day the UN voted in favour of the partition plan for the British mandate Palestine as a forerunner to the vote in favour of the establishment of the State of Israel, May 1948. Well, surprise, surprise, in the next few days after the Kumbaya Palestinian Solidarity event, the anti-Semitic United Nothing passed another three more hostile anti-Israel resolutions against Israel, adding to the more anti-Israel resolutions against Israel compared to the rest of the world combined. I ask again, please tell me I'm wrong when I describe the UN as being hostile to Israel, anti-Semitic. I seriously doubt that I am. I also spoke last week about David Draymond, the lead singer of the very popular heavy rock band, Disturbed, travelling to Israel to light a candle for L.E.K. of blessed memory, the recent victim of Hamas terrorism in Jerusalem. Well, we're kicking off tonight's L'Chaim with a clip of the mensch, David Draymond in Jerusalem, with his powerful message and leading some singing, which will be followed by two more very interesting guests and another on-point David Schulberg L'Chaim mythbuster. This is L'Chaim, two live Jewish life and more, here on 92.3 FM, 3 triple Z. I'm Yisrael Chai. How you feel walking the same way that Billy Kay did? Creepy. <laughs> I've walked this path more times than I can count. So where was the actual spot? On the it, it was um, a little bit uh, up here, yeah. Um, the attacker was inside the Laksa Mosque. He got out yeah. and uh, he pulled an automatic uh, uh, gun. Oh, I remember uh, I saw it. Yeah, and... Uh, Ellie was right on the moment. He shot him many times at the beginning. He was uh, severely injured, but then he shot him one more time in the head. Of course, right? I don't know why specifically this time broke me. I guess because I had walked that path so many times going to the coffee. I always used to take the shortcut through the show. So how does it feel walking the streets again? You've been in this path for so long in your life. Walk these stairs, walk this pathway, walk the exact same direction that Ellie did. A hundred times, a thousand times, I don't know how many times. But it's nice to be able to show everyone and to make a statement we're not afraid and that we're not going anywhere. I refused to be intimidated. It infuriated me the way they covered the incident. The American media, the British media, the European media. It was terrible. What did you see in their coverage? Palestinian shot dead. Not that there was a terror attack. So biased and so easily used and manipulated as a tool to sow more hatred of our people. If you were the news editor, 
What would you write? The truth. And that is? That a terrorist, a Hamas terrorist, committed a unjustifiable terror attack again and shed innocent blood again. You seem furious. Oh, beyond. Beyond. Furious doesn't quite cover it. Does all Jewish superstars in the United States feel the same as you feel? No. And why is that? They don't have the connection I do. What connection? My father was a Tzanchani, you know? So was uh, my grandfather. My grandmother was also in the army. And she, my whole family has a tremendous history here. Has tremendous history defending this country and being proud of who we are and what we stand for. And that's never going to change. You can do it here, David. Just happen just right here. תשלח עזרך מקודש ומציון יסדיך. אלה ברכב ואלה בסוסים, אנחנו בשם אדוני אלוהים נזכיר. הם הקראו ונפלו, ואנחנו קמה ונתעודד. אדוני ישיע המלך יעננו ויום קראנו. אמן. עם ישראל, עם ישראל, עם ישראל. Well, it was very, very meaningful. It was overwhelming to see so many people here. Mm-hmm. It was very, very heartwarming and gratifying. And I'm, I'm glad that, that everyone came. I'm glad that, you know, we could do something to, you know, during this holiday of Hanukkah, you know, to shed a little bit more light in the darkness. And hopefully uh, some of that energy is reaching L.E.K. and some of that energy is reaching his family. And may his memory be a blessing to them. When you are in a position like I am, or when you're in a position like Gal Gadot is in, or any of the people that thankfully have the gumption and the wherewithal and the courage to do what we're doing, the amount of danger, real, real tangible danger that you put yourself in in order to be a voice is, you know, Frightening doesn't cover it. What do you say about, like, when the Palestinians are saying that we live under occupation? They're not justifying just murders, but they say there's other side here that maybe you should also talk with them or about them. Of do course. You, do you feel course. them? Listen, I feel that everyone in this part of the world, being as close as we are in blood lineage to one another, particularly Arabs and Jews, mm-hmm. we are both sons of Abraham. We both come from the same bloodline. We, are, we both essentially worship the same God. We are family, and we should be treating each other as such. Maybe they say family don't occupy the family. Now. Well, that depends on how you determine occupation, doesn't it? How, how, you define how, it. how you determine it? Well, to me, the only occupation we are having right now is occupying the place that has been our home since the early days when we first came over here. There's no reason why we can't coexist with each other and why we shouldn't coexist with each other. It's not occupation if it's your home. It's, it's always a pleasure to come back home. And it's always a pleasure to be back with my family. And hopefully we get to come back again soon as a band and, and be able to play another show here. And Maybe you'll move here. That's it. 
Yeah, it's a good idea. Maybe, maybe I already did, and I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, David Draymond. As I said, mensch, and definitely disturbed. Disturbed with the world's hostile anti-Semitic attitude and treatment towards Israel. Lior Attar, better known simply as Lior, is an independent Australian singer-songwriter based in Melbourne and is renowned internationally for his beautiful voice and music that radiates truth and sincerity. Lior was born in Rishon Lezion, Israel, and he and his family moved to Australia when he was 10. He has composed songs, theatre scores and written music for the screen. Welcome to L'Chaim, Lior. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Lior, was music an integral part of your life as a child? It was, but it was something that I, I kind of came to myself. My parents were music lovers. They didn't have the opportunity for any music education as such, so they didn't play an instrument or anything like that. My dad's a great lover of classical music and mum's more of a folky. But, you know, it was sort of around the house. I think that what was more formative was just the beautiful Hebrew songs that I was hearing when I was growing up. I, at a very young age, recognised that they left a strong emotional imprint and I wanted to follow that place where those songs came from. When did you realise that you had this creativity? I mean, creativity is an incredibly uh, intangible quality. When did it hit you? Yeah, it is a broad concept, isn't it? I think it was a gradual thing. I mean, when you look back, you can recognise defining moments. And one of those, is I remember I was probably about seven or eight years old and there was a song, like a ballad that came on TV. It was a Hebrew song that a singer-songwriter was playing. And I remember sort of just kind of freezing and, and it sort of struck me that I was being moved by this thing. It was very quick in the way that it was moving me. It was very efficient. You know, I think when we go to the cinema, we invest, you know, an hour and a half or two hours in this thing. And one of the great things I think about songs is efficiency. Within a few seconds, you can get transported somewhere. So looking back, I think maybe that was a click moment. The rest was gradual, you know. Started learning guitar when I moved to uh, to Australia at the age of 10, and then I slowly got into singing. And yeah, as I was getting better and exploring, I, I realised that I had this thing that could move people and disarm them. Is it painful at times? Well, the process is painful and I think the self-doubt you encounter on the way is painful, but that's simply the predicament of being an artist and we all sort of confront self-worth and identity, but I think as an artist, you know, you almost do that on a daily basis and that, that's the hard part. You burst onto the Australian music scene in 2005 with your debut album Autumn Flow, which achieved platinum status, quite an achievement. This album became one of the most successful independent debuts in Australian music history and received three ARIA nominations, including Best Male Artist. This was followed by a series of albums over the years since then that achieved a host of award wins and nominations. Too many to delve into here. And I'd like to focus on one particular performance and then two albums. In April 2015, you were invited as the sole Australian artist to perform at the 100-year anniversary of the landing at Gallipoli, where you performed your song Safety of Distance with the Gallipoli Choir leading into the dawn service. Could you tell us how this came about and what that performance experience was like? 
Yeah, it came about through a connection to a beautiful guy called Rod Lockwood, who uh, is the event organiser there. And Rod was looking for performances that were perhaps, you know, outside of the usual performances that you find in these sort of military commemorations. And I had a chance to suggest a song called Safety of Distance, which has a central line, Compassion is the Measure of a Man, that I actually wrote in response to a story that I heard about Vietnam vets who went back to Vietnam and set up these houses of friendship, which encouraged people that went through the war on both sides to, you know, years later and in an attempt to humanize each other uh, and move forward as a healing process. And I, I was really moved by this story. And I wrote this song called Safety of Distance, which is about breaking down the, the barriers and, you know, the importance of compassion. Rod really, really liked this song and thought that it would fit within the context of the service. So I had, uh, as you mentioned, I had the, the great pleasure of going over there and, and performing it with the Gallipoli Choir and a, a military band. And yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. I mean, the most memorable thing is just the harshness of the landscape that you really only understand when you're there, the, the, the cold and the, the rugged landscape. And uh, you really get a sense of the suffering that must have gone down in uh, that part of the world. Well, I'd recommend uh, without hesitation that our listeners watch this incredibly moving performance and that can be found on YouTube. And I suppose there are elements of that that you carry with you uh, yeah, forever. It, uh, it's such a, a passionate uh, thing to watch. Your album, Compassion, and you've mentioned Compassion uh, a few times already, it's an album that I've listened to many times and have always found to be a very moving experience. At moments almost spiritual. It was the result of a collaboration with Nigel Westlake. This orchestral song cycle for voice and orchestra consists of original melodies and orchestration set to ancient texts in Hebrew and Arabic, all centred around profound and poetic messages enveloping the idea of compassion between human beings. Can you tell us a little about that collaboration and uh, also how your exploration of the ancient texts and the theme of compassion affected you? The seat of the work was actually Avinu Malkeinu. When I was starting out performing as a singer-songwriter, around about that time, I, um, I, through a series of events, looked into Avinu Malkeinu because, you know, the melody had always been a haunting one, as we all know, but there's a beautiful line in it, which is, uh, and the way I read it was that compassion is like a plea for compassion to, to liberate us. And as you mentioned, I've, you know, been drawn to exploring the idea of compassion. And to me, that was a really beautiful sentiment that isn't just central to the Jewish way of life, but to one that I think, you know, can be extrapolated to a universally humanitarian message. It's a very long story of how I met Nigel, but basically it was uh, uh, at a performance I was performing my songs and I, I decided to finish the, the performance with a, an a cappella rendition of Avinu Malkeinu, which was sort of following the traditional melody but also adding you know, a series of inflections and, and intonations vocally that I felt made it my own. And at the end of the performance, I met Nigel for the first time really and through chatting we explored the idea of working together on an orchestral arrangement to Avinu Malkeinu in stark contrast to the way I'd only ever performed at a cappella. And that was the seed of it. And, and we only thought that it might at best lead to a seven or eight minute orchestral work that the Sydney Symphony might consider performing as a sort of, uh, you know, opening to a greater work. And so we worked on this demo together. But when we sent it to the Sydney Symphony, their artistic director, Peter Chorney, came back to us and said, you know, we, we love this and we think there's something in it. We'd like to commission a full length work if you, if you guys are interested. 
And so we jumped at the opportunity, even though we, uh, you know, we had no idea what we were going to do. And so I just took some time to think about what, where I wanted to go with it. And the, the natural thing for me was to, to see if I could get other Jewish songs and Jewish texts. But I wanted to create, to work on something which wasn't specific to one, one religion, you know. The, as mm. I mentioned, uh, I was drawn to the universality of the message. And so I thought, well, what if I could look to the, uh, the Arabic world? I wonder if I could find something that says something similar. So I contacted a good friend, Walid Ali, who's now much more famous than I am, um, and uh, and he helped me, and he helped me track down a, a beautiful proverb which had a very similar message, and and that was that was sort of the blueprint of it. And from there on, I I, I did some research into texts and proverbs that gave some sort of profound message about the idea of compassion, and and where it ended up was a seven movement orchestral song cycle, which, as you said, integrates ancient Hebrew and Arabic texts about compassion. And Avinu Malkinu is actually the only movement that's centered around a traditional melody. Everything else is, is original melodies. And orchestration. Did the experience of doing that research leave you with an appreciation of some of the similarities between the two religions? There were things that surprised me. The similarity in language was one of the things that I found myself. I should mention at the beginning, I, I didn't feel that I had a license to actually perform the Arabic side of things. And I, I actually suggested to Nigel that we get someone who's a fluent Arabic speaker, who grew up with Arabic culture and tradition to present that. And Because I, I said, I, I, look, I feel like an imposter. You know, I, I speak Hebrew. I grew up in Israel. I'm familiar with the religion and the culture. And and it was actually my father who said, oh, well, Nigel wouldn't have a bar of it. He said, no, it has to be you. You have to do it all. <laughs> but it was actually my father that convinced me because he, uh, he was born in Iraq and, and Arabic is actually his native, oh, native tongue. Wow. And he said, no, look, this is actually part of your heritage. You need to explore further. And, and so that uh, inspired me to, yeah, learn, not learn how to speak Arabic, but learn my way around the text and how to pronounce them and, uh, and sing them. So, yeah, and through doing that, I found so many similarities in language you know, the the, uh, the shoresh, the root word of compassion, is actually one of the names for God in both religions as well. That was a beautiful discovery too. So all these, these beautiful little jewels that I found along the way. And have you explored music beyond the boundaries of the Middle East, uh, like Indigenous music, for example? Look, not deeply. I mean, compassion even is not a Middle Eastern music. In fact, Nigel and I made a concerted effort not to make it sound like we are trying to write a Middle Eastern work because that's not his background. His background is in writing Western classical music. And while I, in the work, infuse it certainly with Middle Eastern-inspired vocal inflections and trills, it's very much a hybrid. It draws some from the cantorial world. It draws some from Indian raga singing. Um, so, yeah, it's a sort of it's a hybrid that I've, I've kind of made my own. We, we didn't want to make it too culturally specific uh, or derivative so that it uh, transmits that universality. So we now come to your latest album titled Animal in Hiding, which is a collaboration with Dominique Forster. The songs I've listened to are quite beautiful with a mellow, wonderful sound and feature heartfelt lyrics. How did your recording with Dominique come about? And can you give us any details on the album release and uh, future touring plans? Yeah, sure, Maury. Thanks for the kind words. A friend of mine is a music lecturer and he uh, a few years ago invited me to come as a guest performer to an annual songwriting competition that they have for the music students. I went in and I performed and uh, through it I I saw the students perform their songs and there was this beautiful songbird that came out and performed a song of her and she won the competition and and that was Domini and and I approached her and and asked her whether she wanted to come uh, and support me on some shows I was doing through regional Victoria, some solo shows. 
And she did. And that was a good seven or eight years ago and just saw how audiences reacted to her. And through developing a musical relationship, I'd often invite her onto stage and we'd sing a duet or two together. And, and that's how a musical relationship grew. And coming up to my last solo album, we thought, you know, we know that we love singing together. Why don't we try and write together and see what happens? And, and we wrote a song called Where Will We Be, which featured on my last solo release. And yeah, we just felt there was a very special synergy that lent itself to a further exploration of a collaborative work. So in 2019, we started writing and this was just before COVID. And, uh, <laughs> and we got about halfway through writing a body of songs and, uh, and then we, we got locked down. So we had to continue writing through lockdown and finish the work, but it was nice to have a, something to focus on. Uh, and then between lockdowns, we quickly ran to the studio and put down our parts. And then everything else, all the other musicians on the album, we had to, to work with a producer and do it remotely. So it was a challenging process and not one I'd, I'd prefer to repeat. I missed having the energy in a room of musicians and communicating yes. and organically coming up with things. But that's what we had to do. And it's nice to now come out of uh, the last 18 months and, and I suppose have something to show for it. So, uh, yeah, it's called Animal in Hiding. It's available now on all streaming services and, and there's a CD of it as well. And we'll be touring and doing a lot of shows next year throughout Australia with it. When will you be in Melbourne, do you know? There's going to be a, an outdoor stage set up outside the Malthouse Theatre in January and we're going to be performing there on the 21st and 22nd of January. So they're just about to release tickets for, for all those shows, yeah. Well, I certainly recommend our listeners uh, and, and their friends to get a ticket and get in fast because I'm sure wherever you perform, there'll be sell-out uh, shows. Uh, I have to say that uh, Dominic's voice, to my ear, is just so pure. It's uh, such a beautiful mm. sound. It's uh, absolutely delight yeah. to listen to, as, as yours is, of course. Thanks, Mike. Leor's. Um, <laughs> Singer-songwriter lauded internationally continues to produce music of great honesty and beauty. In Hebrew, Lior means my light, and I can only say that your music does shine a magical light on all who listen to it. Thank you for the music, and thanks also for being on L'Chaim. Very much appreciated. L'Chaim, thanks so much, Maureen. And now let's listen to Gloria, a haunting track from Lior and Domini's latest album, Animal in Hiding.
lost both her parents on the road She was only six years old Gloria, it's hard to imagine How you could have been so I think our listeners will have to agree with my comment in tonight's intro that we have another full Lachaim lined up, and that it was. Back in late September, our guest on Lachaim was Ernie Friedlander with the B'nai B'rith, JNF Australia, and the Australian Jewish News Changemaker Awards. Well, the awards were announced on Monday, and we here at Lachaim would like to congratulate all the winners for the acknowledgement of their great work. I want to make mention of one young recipient changemaker, Benji Orwin has been a guest of mine on air a couple of times, first up in May 2019, when he was only nine. Benji collects socks and distributes them to people in need all over the world. Benji now, at year six, continues to grow his not-for-profit Socks for Support and was recently selected as the face of this year's Mitzvah Day. Benji organised a group of year six peers to assist him wrap up hundreds of pairs of socks to include in hampers for the homeless. Well done and muzzle tough to change maker Benji Orwood. Keep up your great work and we'll chat to you on Lachaim in February, sock boy. Speaking of change makers, the late Eddie Jaku, who passed away most recently at the age of 101, was a real change maker. The state memorial for Eddie will take place at the Sydney Town Hall at 10 a.m. next Wednesday, the 15th of December, 2021. For details on the memorial, the 10 a.m. live stream online condolence book and accessibility information, please visit www.nsw.gov.au forward slash state services. I was blessed to have interviewed Eddie twice, the last time when he turned 100. Eddie Jaku, a real change maker. Baruch Dayan HaEmet. Right, you'll find in about 15 minutes to half an hour a recording of tonight's Lachaim program at 3ZZZ .com.au. Click on the down arrow in the Listen to a Show Square and scroll down to the Jewish group. You'll find it there. Links to YouTube recordings of tonight's interviews will be posted to the Lachaim and Morris Klein Facebook pages tomorrow. Lachaim podcasts are also available at JWire, Digital Jewish News Daily, 
for Australia and New Zealand. Please check out the other two programs that make up the Jewish group here at 3ZZZ. The Hebrew Hour, Shabbat Shalom, 3pm on Friday, and the Yiddish Hour, 11am on Sunday. If you'd like to contact us here at Lechaim, our email is lchaim3zzz at gmail.com. For only $16, please consider becoming a member of the Jewish group here at 3ZZZ. And for seniors, it's just $11. Again, click on 3zzz.com.au. Many thanks again to Team Lechaim, Dr. George Banky, the executive producer, Dr. Mori Frankel, and Jeff Deegan. We're closing out tonight's Lechaim with a song from one of my favourite singers, Nat King Cole, with his beautiful popular standard, Smile. Smile is a song based on an instrumental theme used in the soundtrack for Charlie Chaplin's 1936 movie, Modern Times. Chaplin composed the music inspired by Puccini's Tosca. The lyrics and the title were added in 1954, based on lines and themes from the film. Nat King Cole is telling the listener to cheer up and that there's always a bright tomorrow, just as long as you smile. So please keep on smiling with a Lachaim or two. So thank you for tuning in and please join us again next week on Lachaim. My name is Morris Klein. I'm Yisrael Chai and peace. Your heart is aching Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds In the sky You'll get by If you smile through your fear and sorrow Smile and maybe You'll see the sun come shining through for you Light up your face with gladness Hide every trace of sadness Although a tear Maybe ever so near That's the time you must keep on trying Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile That's the time you must keep on trying Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile If you just
a smile. 